Thank you for listening. Be sure to catch Exploding Head Movies Mondays at 7 at CITR. <laughs> and I was going to do the FM, but... All right. Take two. All right. <laughs> hey, y'all. Make sure to catch... <laughs> All right. I got to make it convincing. <laughs> hey, y'all. Hi, y'all. What y'all doing tonight? <laughs> Forgot there would be singing. 
here. So, all apologies if you were hoping to listen to the words. So, what we just started off with, most of us likely know as a monkey's song, but that was originally, that was the original recorded version there, written by Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart, who also wrote many of the other early monkey's songs as part of the Brill Building Crew, the epicenter of the post-Tin Pan Alley songwriting style. And that was Paul Revere and the Raiders with I'm Not Your Steppin' Stone. That's off their 1966 album, Midnight Ride. And Paul Revere and the Raiders were from Boise, Idaho, and they were one of the big garage rock acts in the 60s. Their shtick was to dress as American revolutionaries, and it was sort of a cheeky response to the British invasion at the time. Though they had been actually been recording well before the Beatles, a all had become huge in America. Some of their earlier releases came in 1960 and 61. And Raider songs appeared on various Nuggets compilations. Uh, they actually backed Dick Clark on a couple of his variety shows before hosting their own, called It's Happening. They even appeared in a Batman TV episode with Adam West. They recorded a version of Louie Louie around the same time as the Kingsman recorded their notorious version. Of course, the Kingsman version was the one that gained popularity, but I think everyone recorded Louie Louie at one point. And the Raiders were a big part of the Pacific Northwest music scene. Paul Revere himself was not the singer. He was the organist. His full name was Paul Revere Dick. And the Raiders have gone through numerous personnel changes over the years and the decades, and they have still been touring live. They appeared here in town a few months ago. Dick died in his home in Garden Valley, Idaho, after a long battle with cancer this past October 4th. He was 76 years old. And if you go to Portland in the next little while, I believe if you go before December 15th, Voodoo Donuts has a tribute for Dick called the Paul Revere Donut. It's a tricolored tricorn pastry stuffed with buttercream, and it's shaped in honor of the hats the band would often wear, with proceeds going to the Oregon Music Hall of Fame in their quest of raising funds to further music education in Oregon State. And Paul Revere and the Raiders were inducted into that Hall of Fame in 2007 as part of the inaugural class. And in the background, this is the late Canadian blues musician Jeff Healy dabbling in his main passion, sweet and hot jazz. Off his 2004 album, Adventures in Jazzland, though I did see 2006 and 2007 with release dates, this is his take of the classic called Indiana. And if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, you likely knew Healy as a blazing blues guitarist, known for being blind and then playing the guitar on his lap. He had hits like Angel Eyes and a cover of While My Guitar Gently Weeps. And he also appeared in the house band of the Patrick Swayze film Roadhouse. However, this was Healy's love, and uh, it was evidenced by hosting past shows on CBC Radio and then CIUT at the University of Toronto with his extensive collection of 78 RPMs. So instead of the guitar there, we heard Healy sing, and uh, perhaps during a quiet spell when I'm not talking, you may hear him play the trombone, along with some other interests in instrumentals, playing bass, bass, piano, clarinet, cornet, or a little stumpy trumpet as we hear here, and then drums. And Healy died in 2008 from another form of cancer since an earlier type robbed him of sight before he was a year old, and he died in Toronto March 8, 2008 at the age of 41. His legacy of music has been strong, and just this past Saturday it was announced that Healy would be inducted into the Canadian Walk of Fame. Not sure when the ceremony will be for that, but otherwise, good evening, and welcome to yet another episode of Exploding Head Movies. This is your cinematically inspired program here found on UBC's museum-bound community radio station, CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver. We broadcast at 590 watts here at UBC campus, the lower mainland at British Columbia here in Canada. Elsewhere, you can find us on the web at www.citr.ca. 
My name is Gak, and I'll be digging up all forms of sonic archaeology for the next couple hours, because I am live in the studio. Phone number for the station for those of you listening live is 604-822-2487. Do keep it short and sweet and to the point, since we are mixing everything live here, and we will screw things up, as uh, we will find out with the first song coming up here. But you can email me anytime, radiofreegak at gmail.com. So with all the clues that have been sewn in so far, specifically words like raiders in Indiana, hopefully you figured out that later on the show, we'll look at one of the scores we are well overdue on profiling here, John Williams' epic music to the 1981 film Raiders of the Lost Ark, which introduced the world to the stories of Indiana Jones, the cinematic adventure created by George Lucas, portrayed by Harrison Ford, and directed by Steven Spielberg. So at one point... For the show, I did consider playing music across the first three films in the series, because who really acknowledges the Crystal Skull one from 2008? And there's too much music from the Chronicles TV series. But we went with the first one since that introduces all the major themes. So, otherwise, this episode will be biting off a lot of recent news in the music world of music, kind of like an alligator in a river with a bridge overhead. I'll also, we'll have some previews of acts playing live in town, including the start of the latest season of Shindig, CITR's Bell of the Bands, and a new, new, new location tomorrow. Plus some music tied to films that have been recently surfaced, short runs, and we do what we can. But we'll kick things off with Data Plan. It's a new act headed up by local musician Malcolm Jack Biddle, formerly of bands such as Sun Wizard and Capital Six. And uh, he's got five-piece now with a trip-hop kind of sound, Taking on haunting dystopian tinge with chill metropolitan grooves with inspiration from artists such as Brian Eno and Robert Wyatt. Their website is considerably loopy. Kind of looks like an early 90s BBS with a cyberpunk t- element pointing towards a global technocracy. And they play this Thursday, October 23rd at the Biltmore Cabaret with guests Mesa Luna, Gretchen Snakes. I thought I gave myself a lot time with that song. And uh, they're going to celebrate the release of their debut album, A Data Plan is Free, which is out tomorrow. And it was recorded by Josh Wills from the Black Mountain Collective. Now, there's some minor confusion to the venue, as I've seen references to the Lido as well, too, for the hosting, which is on East Broadway. But, uh, yeah, it's a regular haunt for the act. So stay sharp. Figure out if it's the Biltmore or the Lido. Doors open at 8, whatever the story is. 19, an older show. And from that album which is somehow missing, not sure where it is, because at least I have the music down, but the one thing that is not available online yet for such a new album is what the song titles are. But uh, from a data plan is here. This is going to be data plan with what I know as track five here on Exploding Head Movies. Hold on, 
From their second album, the self-titled one with the goth girl in the cemetery on the cover from 2010, that was Crystal Castles with Birds. Or Boyds, as they say, Joyzy Boyds. And the Toronto duo were in the news recently as they announced their dissolution. Vocalist Alice Glass announced on Twitter October 8th that she was leaving Crystal Castles due to professional and personal reasons. And Crystal Castles formed after Ethan Kath, the producer, saw Glass front the Toronto punk act Fetus Fatale and asked her to record a couple demos over his beats. And they secretly uploaded them to the internet in 2006 to much acclaim. And the band were known for their grimy industrial neo-wave sound and uh, they broke out massively with their 2008 self-titled debut. Though they gained more notoriety for their highly erratic live performances with screeching, Stuff getting destroyed on stage and then shows just ending early all of a sudden, even after starting hours late. There's no indication whether Kath will continue on with the Crystal Castle's name, although his uh, manager has indicated otherwise that some other twists and turns lay ahead for what is or will be Crystal Castle's. Part of us hopes that uh, he might actually resurrect his old rock band Kill Cheerleader, the old act touted by Lemmy Killmister from Motorhead as one of his favorites. But at this point, Glass has indicated that she is going solo. So perhaps there'll be some leftover material from some previous sessions in the follow-up to their now final album, the 2012 self-titled album known as Three. So let's see what happens in the wake of all this. Who knows? Now behind me, ever so quietly, this is the British act LFO with Quijard. This was a B-side to a 12-inch remix release from 1990, back when they were the duo of Mark Bell. And Jez Varley. Varley actually left LFO in 1996. And just for the record, this is not the American Teen Boy Act from the 90s with the Summer Girls and all that. This LFO is one of the early pioneers of various styles of British techno. They were a huge influence. Although at the time, they basically kind of touched upon many genres, even of techno at that time, like the Acid House scene, early IDM and stuff like that. But for a lot of people, this was their gateway into a wondrous world. And unfortunately, Mark Bell passed away recently. He'd been uh, dealing with some uh, medical surgery as of late due to something, which I will investigate at this point right now because this is how this episode of Exploding Head Movies will work. But what we do is we'll have an LFO track lined up here. We'll actually go off the last one when it was a solo act, off of the 2003 album Sheath. We're going to listen to Moki Lips. Then we'll follow up with one of the main artists that he'd been providing music for. And she actually has a film out right now. So this is LFO here on CITR. Thank <laughs> you. 
Let's celebrate.
So that was a bonus track off her 2007 album Volta. Birk Gutmannsdotter, otherwise we know her just as Birk. That was I See Who You Are, as remixed by Mark Bell. One half, and for a time, then eventually just who was LFO, who we heard beforehand with Moki Lips. At one point I was going to play Freak, but based on how the show is currently slotted, time will be tight, so maybe I'll dig up some vintage warp sounds later. So, Mark Bell had worked frequently with Björk. Uh, after her second album post, he sent her some music indicating what she, what he was working on as of late to see if she could sing over top. And a lot of that became the foundation of her third album, 1997 or 1998's Homogenic. And from that time, he worked steadily as a collaborator with her, even up to her latest album, 2011's Biophilia. He actually appears as himself in the video for Declare Independence, which uh, Björk has now used for various independence campaigns, most recently the one in Scotland as well. And uh, in honor of his recent death, Björk actually did post a super old remix in time for post as well too. I think it was possibly maybe something I just read a little while ago. Anyways, Mark Bell died on October 8th. Unfortunately, the date is mushed here. It just says October. It was reported on the 13th, anyways. He was, uh, with some complications following some medical surgery, and he was only 43 years old. Quite a loss that way. Now, speaking of Björk, she actually has a film out right now. It's called Biophilia Live. It's co-directed by Nick Fenton, and then from a Barbarian Sound Studio that came out recently, Peter Strickland. And, uh, it's been playing at the Vif Theater, but, uh, Actually, the Cinematheque, and there's one last screening available right now. Wednesday, October 22nd, so this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Cinematheque, right in downtown. And it's uh, described as an entrancing concert film from the Icelandic eccentric and innovator, shot in London at the conclusion of her 2013 tour, and has Björk performing her ambitious 2011 multimedia project slash album slash app release called Biophilia, a high-concept inquiry into biodiversity and musicology. There's some contributions from the British naturalist Sir David Attenborough. Not Richard, who we profiled a few weeks ago here on Exploding Head Movies. Now in the background, this is John Williams, who we will soon hear with Indiana Jones, but we went back to 2011 here with one of his Oscar-nominated scores, War Horse. I mean, Horse War. No, I really meant War Horse. This, this track is plowing. He was also nominated that year for The Adventures of Tantan, so perhaps some vote-splitting was at play when he lost to Ludovic Burs and his score to that year's big film, The Artist. Now, continue on with our film theme here. Goldfrapp has a film out. It's called Tales of Us, and it is part of the Van City Theater's Music Mondays program. And Tales of Us has uh, five short films created by Goldfrapp and writer-director Lisa Gunning. Most, most recently, we did the film Salmon Fishing in the Yemen. I was inspired by five songs in Goldfrapp's latest best-selling album, Tales of Us. So, the 30-minute section is followed by a concert performance of Goldfrapp, shot earlier in the year. And Goldfrapp actually had cited Patricia Highsworth, David Lynch, Michelangelo Antoniani, and Ingmar Bergman as inspirations for the haunting soundscape of their sixth recording. So again, Goldfrapp, Music Monday's program at the Van City Theater. It screens tonight in just under an hour, 8.30 p.m., so make it downtown to catch that. So I've played the only track I have off of Tales of Us a couple times already recently, so just to mix things up, we'll offer a twofer here. 
Firstly, with a track off another score that Goldfrapp provided. So off the 2005 film My Summer of Love, this will be Goldfrapp along with Will Gregory with Sadie's Room, and then we'll go back to the first album. Scott, I play wide receiver for the University of British Columbia football team and I'm here to discuss the Be More Than a Bystander program. Myself and a few other players were lucky enough to work alongside the BC Lions and EVA, the Ending Violence Association, to support this cause. The main goal of the Be More Than a Bystander initiative is to increase awareness of domestic violence against women. For more information on the cause, please visit endingviolence.org. Just 
Some of their debut album, 2000's Felt Mountain, we heard Goldfrap there with Pilots. And before that, we heard Allison Goldfrap, who is one half of Goldfrap, conveniently enough, along with Will Gregory with Sadie's Room, and that's off the 2005 soundtrack to My Summer of Love. And as mentioned earlier, Goldfrap Tales of, Lo- Tales of Us, as directed by Lisa Gunning, will be screening at the Van City Theater tonight at 8.30. So if you still have some time to make it downtown, do check it out. Five short films plus some concert footage. Now behind me, we have some Angelo Badalamenti off of the Twin Peaks Season 2 Music and More soundtrack from 2007. This is New Shoes. Now there's been a lot of discussion about Twin Peaks as of late. First off, commemorating its 25th anniversary along with the news of Season 3 coming in 2016 on Showtime. But how would you like to experience something live with music like this? Well, you're in luck. There's going to be a live Twin Peaks-inspired band playing this Thursday, October 23rd. It's going to be called The Man in the Smiling Bag. Albatross performs the music of Twin Peaks. And the Albatross Trio will be revisiting Angelo Badalamenti's moody, timeless score from the David Lynch, Mark Frost TV series Twin Peaks. And joining the trio of Ronnie Swirl, Kevin Romaine, and Ryan Moses Lidstone will be vocalist Julie Conlon, definitely alluding to Julie Christie, who actually sang on the original soundtrack, and then Mike W.T. Allen on baritone saxophone. 
one of my favorite types of saxophone, if you don't mind me asking. So, yes. Joining them will be another Vancouver act, Tiny Pyramids, and they're going to be paying loving tribute to another fantastic uh, bit of surreal music. And there'll be the interstellar imaginings of the Sun Ra Orchestra. So definitely should be a kind of jazzy in a noir-esque way. This Thursday, October 23rd, the Albatross Trio presenting the man in the smiling bag. And this will be at the Emerald, 555 Gore Street. And that's going to be upstairs in the cabaret room. So it's going to be $10 at the door. So I did do a Twin Peaks profile a couple weeks or a couple months ago in light of the 25th anniversary and other stuff as well too but uh, let's listen to a little bit more and of course leading up to Halloween we always do good little dark synths so from the 2011 Twin Peaks archive which was released through David Lynch's website this will be Angelo Badalamenti with the dark synth version of Laura Palmer's theme stick around we'll serve a profile some more live acts coming to town of various types here on Exploding Hemities CITR Vancouver Audio Alchemy, the soundtrack for your transmutation. Rock, electro, weird stuff, dark stuff, and whatever's banging around in the mind of Matthew this week. Wednesday nights, 1 to 4 a.m. here on CITR Radio 101.9 FM in Vancouver, or listen live at citr.ca. 
the Capital One Just for Laughs comedy tour, the stellar lineup starring and person Dimitri Martin behind you, his hell host, Jadian Comedy Award winner Levi McDougal, and podcast superstar Todd Glass. Fun Just for Laughs, the Orpheum theme. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster. For details, check Metro News or go to hahaha.com slash comedy tour.
Off of her sophomore album this year's The Future's Void, that was EMA with Satellites. And EMA are the initials of Erica M. Anderson. And uh, she will be performing with special guest Magic Mouth this coming Saturday, October 25th at the Electric Owl. This will be an early show. Doors open at 7. Show kicks off at 7.30. And that's, uh, ticket prices start at $13. It's a 19 and older show. Now we got some more John Williams in the background here off uh, another recently Oscar-nominated film from 2012's Lincoln. This is part of the score, The Southern Delegation and the Dream. And Williams lost this time to the Canadian composer Michael Dana, who won the Oscar for The Life of Pi. Now, we had a little bit of a comedy thing pop up in between songs there, and uh, that segues kind of nicely here, as Bruce McCullough, Rusio is in town, and his one-man show, Young Drunk Punk, is back, and it's bigger. So it's going to be at the York Theater as part of the Kulch next Monday and Tuesday, October 27th and 28th. And, uh, yeah, this is a return of an earlier production that appeared at the Fire Hall Art Center. It was sold out it went many days. And uh, Brucio, one of the five kids in the hall, combined stand-up live music and assorted autobiographical insights. And joining him is another Kids in the Hall connection, which is Brian Connolly. He provides the guitar accompaniment, much in the same way his act Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet did during the sketch comedy's life on stage and on tape. Now, McCullough also has a new collection of essays out called Let's Start a Riot, How a Young Drunk Punk Became a Hollywood Dad. And he traces his journey from Calgary to the kids in Hall in Toronto, and finally to a pajama-clad dad in the Hollywood Hills. And Young Drunk Punk is also going to be the basis of a new city TV sitcom inspired from his Alberta upbringing. And it'll star Tim Carlson and Atticus Mitchell as two rebel teens in the 1980s. And McCullough plays a father figure named Lloyd, for which he boasts that he grew a creepy mustache. So again, Young Drunk Punk, Monday and Tuesday, October 27th and 28th, so next week at the York Theatre. So we'll go back to 1995's Shame Based Man, his uh, solo album although he has two other ones this is going to be Bruce McCullough kind of uh, alluding to how life was this is going to be Daddy's on the Drink The face of work is a drunk man in the same chair chewing on the same bone for 5,000 nights The face of work is a coffee cup in hand frustrated You don't get it They all don't get it Y'all don't understand Man Daddy's on the Drink again Daddy's on the drink again. Daddy's do another rant on shame and blame and guilt again. Had a sip at six and still hasn't swallowed it. Daddy's on the couch again. Slumped he's in that slouch again. His fat drunk bum pushes the cushions out, my friend. You know, my dad drinks rye. Yeah, whose dad doesn't? There's nothing on TV. There's nothing on TV. Then what are you watching, Dad? He falls asleep, wakes up, dark, dry mouth, and somehow he's in bed. 
Is there a fairy? Is there a drunk dad fairy that tiptoes in, takes a TV changer out of his hand, puts a blanket around his shoulders, lifts his head off his chest so his neck won't be sore tomorrow when the liquor leaves him for a time? Is there a drunk dad fairy that pays for that Chinese food? Daddy's on the couch again. Drink on knee, he stares out again. My dad, your granddad was a drunk. I guess it's skipped a generation with me. Really, Dad? You know my problem. I'm a workaholic. Really, Dad? You don't know what I go through at work. And what was he like at work? The same teetering room temperature, rye and seven splashing on the merchandise. Other hand pulling up pants when he rants. Ah, you don't know what I go through at home, do you? Let's order some. Drink. Where's that menu? I think we got the stuff we usually order circles. I'm starved. Daddy's on the drink again. Grass's mom was at the sink again. What happened to the girl I married? Well, Dad, she watched you all these years. Mommies, don't let your babies grow up to be daddies. These daddies, bad daddies, dead daddies, or mummies. Make your babies grow up, and maybe they won't be these daddies. Dead, drunk, rant and roll, too upset to eat. Three hours later, can we just eat some Chinese food? Daddy's on the drink again, daddies. Ass music. I like that crap you listen to. It's like cold. Hey, Winnipeg Beach. I was a goddamn king. Then you came along, didn't you? could use a pineapple chicken ball. Hi, I'm Alec. And I'm Graham of the Stumblers Inn. You are listening to CITR. Oh, Vancouver's best music. All right. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three, four. <laughs> Yeah, man. Oh! Oh! 
was expecting another round of gunshots in that piece much like the promo for the show you are currently listening to so off of the 1989 album plunder phonic done by mr john oswald that track was brown named after the man who eventually just took over that track since originally was supposed to be kind of looking at combining a whole bunch of late 80s golden era hip-hop type stuff until all the James Brown samples kicked in, and then they're like, well, why don't we just do more? So, originally, Plunderphonic was deleted and then destroyed as part of an agreement by Michael Jackson's team due to two of the songs that appeared on it, and then the scandalous cover art for it, questioning uh, a lot of things about Mr. Jackson himself. But it has lived on in many ways. Considering it was just a promo, since it never actually was sold, it's amazing to think it was all deleted, but... It also appears on the Plunderphonic box set from 2001 called 69 Plunderphonics 96. And part of the reason why we played that bit of music there is that John Oswald will be in town. So the Modulus Festival meets with the ongoing dances for a small stage. And Iteration 31 takes place at the Ukrainian Center at the corner of Quebec and East 10th from October 23rd to the 25th. So that'll be this Thursday to Saturday. So it's going to be a live dance music series presented by Movent and the Music on Main, and it'll be headlined by composer John Oswalt and choreographer Holly Small in their first ever joint performance on the West Coast stage. They'll be joined by dance artist Michaela Wallace and a choreographed piece by Carissa Berry, Vanessa Goodman, Stuart Iguidez, as well as Toronto dancers Sean Ling and Jessica Runge. Additionally, the Toronto-based Cecilia String Quartet will perform two works. One will be Tchaikovsky's String Quartet Number 1, and they'll be performing Oswald's Prelude, a Kronos Quartet commissioned score. And uh, I believe that actually was performed by the quartet when they played at the Chan Center last November for their 40th anniversary concert, which itself is an acoustic rendition 
of an electronic treatment of Beethoven's Aladanza Tedesca from his string quartet number 13 in B-flat major, itself a reference to a German folk dance of the early, early time of music. I have 19th century written down like Beethoven wasn't around then. 18th, actually no, I always forget the centuries jump ahead. Anyways, that gives you an idea how music flows. So tickets to dances for a small stage 31st, again from Thursday to Saturday, October 23rd to 25th, uh, $20. Apparently you can get tickets through moveent.ca, although you can pay cash at the door. This is the Ukrainian Orthodox Community Center, 154 East 10th Avenue, doors at 7, show at 8 p.m. There you go. And behind me, this is Clark. New material from Chris Clark out of the UK. And this is Unfurla, a track which is supposed to be previewing new material quite soon. You are listening to Exploring Head Movies. My name is Gak. This is CITR 11.9 FM in Vancouver. We talk about films. And a film that is currently playing right now features Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. It's called 20,000 Days on Earth. A bit of a lyrical ode to creativity, covering how long a cave has been on Earth. Kind of fusing some drama and reality. Covering a fictional day in Cave's life as it talks about the artistic process. As the singer, songwriter, novelist, screenwriter, actor is ready to share at least what he's willing to. And uh, it made its world premiere at this year's Sundance Film Festival. And it won Best Directing and Best Editing Awards in the World Cinema Documentary category. It's the debut feature film by visual artists Ian Forsyth and Jane Pollard. It features original score by Nick Cave and one of his bad seeds, one of the Grindermen 2, Warren Ellis. I believe you might see Kylie Minogue and Ray Winstone in the film too. So 20,000 days on Earth. Right now it is playing at the Viff Theater. It started at 6.30. You aren't listening to this show right now, but the Rio Theater has two screenings this week. Tomorrow, October 21st at 7 p.m. And then Wednesday, October 22 at 9 at 30. So we'll go back 30 years from 1984's From Her to Eternity. This is Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds with Wings Off Flies. Thanks. 
decades, CITR's annual Battle of the Bands Shindig has been host to local bands known and unknown. This year, Shindig leaps into its fourth decade as 27 bands prepare to take the stage. The stakes are high with artists competing for studio recording time, event showcase spots, and more. Shindig 31 marks CITR's first year at the Hindenburg, so come celebrate with cheap drinks, free pool, great stage, and of course, jokes for beer. Shindig runs every Tuesday until December 16th at the Hindenburg, 23 West Cordova. Cover is only $6. This Tuesday, October 21st, Shindig kicks off with Fundamentally Unsound, Pale Red, and The Vaporettos. These bands take us across the rock spectrum, from big noise to lo-fi grit to mod psychedelic.
off of their EP, The Vaporettos, self-titled. That was Emily Razorblade, as we just heard with the ad there. Shindig is upon us, and The Vaporettos will be one of the acts playing for this, the 31st season of CITR's Battle of the Bands. Starting a little bit later in the year, because it used to be after Labor Day. But now, we're starting well after Thanksgiving. So tomorrow, Tuesday, October 21st, at the new venue, the new home of Shindig, the Hindenburg. Deep in Gastown at 23 West Cordova. Already establishing itself as one of the hottest venues to see bands. So yes, Shindig, if you haven't been before, well, you're in for a treat. Three bands compete a night. They play for about 30 minutes each. The judges vote. One of them succeeds. Uh, From 27, we pair down to 9. And from 9 to 3, and then there will be a winner. So this time around, part of the reason why we're starting late is that uh, we'll tie in the end of round one with Christmas break. So from October 21st to, I think it is December 16th, we'll see the 27 bands. We'll see a winner each night of those nine weeks. Then things will pick up again in January later on for the semis, and then the ever-important finals. So, you'll be hosted by Ben Lai, as usual, host of CITR's Live from Thunderbird Radio Hell, which airs Thursdays 9 to 11 here on 101.9 FM. And, uh, yeah, CITR DJs will be spinning after the competition. So, I'll talk a little bit more about Shindig uh, after we hear two of the more of the entrants playing week one. And these are the guys who will start the night off, because, uh, as tradition has it, we go alphabetical. So, fundamentally sound, their Facebook isn't clear about who they are, but they have a new drummer playing with them, so we'll see what happens. So, off of the Black in Black Fifenshagenschicht demo, we'll listen to Brownie in Motion. And before I forget, this is John Williams in the background again, from his most recent nomination of the 44 he's had in his career, from 2013's The Book Thief, this is the departure of Max. But let's listen to Fundamentally Unsound.
had your preview there of all the acts performing in week one of shindig tomorrow so we just heard there was pale red off of the white mink ep that was i am the meter it's the trio of charlotte portia and miles and pale red will be playing second that night uh, they'll be starting off with the band we just heard before them which is fundamentally sound we heard brownie in motion off of the black in back five in Gishite demo and then we started off, well, I spoke in between, but we heard the Vaporettos off their self-titled EP, Emily Razorblade. So, Shindig, those bands will be playing tomorrow, October 21st, at the Hindenburg, 23 West Cordova. And as the ritual is, every Tuesday night, shows are going to be supposed to start at 9 p.m. on the dot, going till midnight. And check out the full schedule at shindig.citr.ca. I'll give you the full schedule. The bands, all the generous sponsors, the prizes at the end, which include recording time, profile in Discorder magazine, amongst thousands of other things as well, too, and all the traditions as well, too. Jokes for beer, 
in between the, in the second intermission. And yes, the first round goes until December 16th. The second round starts in mid-January, and the finals will be the first week of February. So the Hindenburg is a reincarnation of the past Vancouver venues like Club 23 West, the Hungry Eye, and the Cruel Elephant. It's got a fresh atmosphere. It's got free pool tables there, brand new stage, local beer on tap, and a desire to support local music. And I think they still kept some of the odd fetish things around there as well, too. So... Stephen Lyons, who we know from the local band Fonda Tigers, is heading a lot of the booking there and all that. And all indications I've heard so far is that the Hindenburg is a fun place. Taking its name, Snidely. It's a reputation of a large experiment that will crash and burn. But let's see what the Vancouver live scene gets with this exciting new place. And there's a chance I might judge if I don't know anyone there. So in the background, we heard Clint Mansell there off of the soundtrack to last year's Stoker. That was blossoming. So let's head to Edmonton now for uh, one of the few acts that is not playing in town next week. Um, they're called Diamond Mind. I'm going to play something off the fake tape EP. This will be swimsuit scene here on Exploding Head Movies, CITR, Vancouver. Bye. Uh -huh. 
sound of compost and recyclables going into the garbage. Garbage that ends up in the landfill creating greenhouse... This is the sound of a more sustainable campus. You can make a difference when you sort it out. Learn more at sustain.ubc slash sort it out. Open Media International is a non-profit, non-partisan organization working towards informed, citizen-driven internet policy. Open Media believes in keeping the internet uncensored, open, innovative, secure, and providing universal access to fast and affordable networks. If you would like Open Media to keep campaigning for citizens and internet policy, you can donate to them at openmedia.org or openmedia.ca. You can also find them on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Google+.
off this year's Picture You Staring album. Those Montreal's tops with blind phase. It's good quality stuff that way. I still have to fully listen through the album since it was recently added here to the station's playlist. But great sort of bit of AM studio pop there. Can't wait to hear more from that. In the background, this man is performing a DJ set tonight here. It's been sold out for quite some time, but maybe you can see what happens on the sidewalk. So, Bonobo, off of last year's The North Borders album, this is Jets. So head to celebrities. Doors open already. They open at 8. The show goes to midnight. It is 19 and older. It's sold out. Do what you can with what you got. And maybe you can see them. Spinning records. As, uh, we'll help to Toronto next for this next singer-songwriter. She is Jennifer Castle. And uh, she just released uh, a debut album called Pink City. I believe I played something off this already, but I might have done that on the Folk Oasis when I filled in a couple weeks ago. But good stuff kind of continues on with the AM phase that way. This will be Jennifer Castle with Sparta. Show. 
was Neil Young there recording in Jack White's tiny recording booth in Nashville as part of the Third Man Records experience. Off the album, A Letter Home, that was If You Could Read My Mind. Originally done by Gordon Lightfoot, and Lightfoot is going to be in town. He's playing at the Queen Elizabeth Theater this Saturday 25th at 8 p.m. Tickets are available, and they're crazy expensive. Nature of the beast sometimes. Otherwise, we're just ditching songs left, right, and center here as we realize that time is tight and... That's what happens when you pre-record some shows and you're like, how much time do I have? Not much. So, in the background, this is Sam Spence and John Facetta with the Raiders, part of the music and voices of NFL Films, the power and the glory. So, another act that is going to be in town playing tomorrow at Fortune Sound Club, October 21st at 8 p.m. It's tennis. They're a husband-wife couple from Denver that on a sailing cruise around the world decided to form a band. So... We'll hop over to 2012's Young and Old. This will be tennis with It All Feels the Same, which will lead us from the Raiders to Raiders of the Lost Ark, here on Exploding Hit Movies. Good. 
Hi there, my name is Brandon. And my name is Mormon. Do you need help finding yourself? Do you have questions you're too afraid to ask? Worry no more, we got your back. Because, because we are two university, university students who have all the answers. Uh, just kidding. We'd like to think that. But what you can do is tune into All Ears at 101.9 FM every second Wednesday at 6 p.m. To get the best advice that we can offer. So shoot us an anonymous question. At ask.fm slash allearsubc and we'll answer it live on air. And, and honey, honey child, we'll, we'll be all ears. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people. The clock, but we press on. In the background here, from the main titles, this is South of Mix, with Jorgis from the soundtrack to Raiders of the Lost Ark here. Short little profile, sadly, as things do what we can with... with. Anyways, um, this marks the time that Steven Sims had worked together. In 1974, from Spielberg asked John Williams to work on his debut film, The Sugarland Express, since he dug Williams' score to the 1969 film, The Ravers, and their second collaboration turned out to be 1975's Jaws, which then begat George Lucas's Star Wars, E.T., the Harry Potter series, Schindler's List, the list goes on. But in 1980, it was to be work on Indiana Jones, the archaeologist adventurer who was looking for the Lost Ark of the Covenant. As portrayed by Harrison Ford for a time. It was actually going to be Tom Selleck, but uh, he was caught up in Magnum P.I. land. So we're going to start off with the Raiders March. And originally it was just two separate songs that Williams thought would, could be a good theme, so he played it for Spielberg in 1980 and asked him which one he wanted. And Spielberg said, put them together, and that became the Raiders' March. So the main inspiration for Raiders of the Lost Ark were the 1930s adventure serials. Kind of tied into a little bit of, I think it's the Montana Smith and other things that way. But basically just the idea of exploring the world, kind of like a proto-James Bond thing, which... Actually, George Lucas was considering doing, but Spielberg's like, no, let's choose, chase what we want to play up the Western's ideas and things like that. So, Empire, Williams indicated in Empire Magazine that he wanted to evoke a biblical atmosphere, turning pages backwards to early antiquity. So the orchestra and the chorus here are assembled in a complicated way, but the melody came naturally, and it became quite flexible since it was used over three films and a TV series. So... Music was composed and conducted by Williams, performed by the London Symphony Orchestra. Some orchestrations were done by Herbert W. Spencer, along with Al Woodbury. So we're going back to 1981 here. And we're going to start off, of course, with the Raiders' March.
I feel a little bit bad that we have an abridged version of the usual profile, but hopefully this has rejuvenated some of your memories of watching the film when it originally came out. So, from the score to Raiders of the Lost Ark, and this comes off the expanded edition, which was released in 1995 through DCC Compact Classics. Uh, we start off with the Raiders March, then we had the journey to Nepal, then the wonder of the map room at dawn, and behind me, these are the end credits. And what Williams indicated in the Empire Magazine review read is that uh, what he loved and still loves about the Indiana Jones movies is they represent a wide range of musical challenges, great lengths to frighten the audience, and sometimes use advanced orchestral techniques, atonal music that would be akin to contemporary concert music. And if you listen to the music without seeing the images, which is how this show works, they may be shocked by it, but for me, they're fun things to do. The Nazis get a bit of a Empire Strikes Back type theme that way. 1940s dramatic chords. And then uh, one of the things that jumps out with the main Raiders theme is that it doesn't rely on what we call the perfect fifth. It's just like little fourths and sixths, which sound very human, which, you know, Indiana Jones has to deal with a lot during the series that way. So, uh, this was nominated for an Oscar in 1981, but it lost Evangelist's Chariots of Fire, but Williams did win the next year for his score to E.T., one of the five that he's won over his long distance career.